guys are going to like today is this is like the number one topic that we get hit up on all the time. Emissions, right? Emissions training, emissions deletes, emissions tuning. What's legal? What's not legal? What are the fines? What's California doing? What's the US EPA doing? What are engine manufacturers doing? So we have an episode today uh, with with CARB, so California Resource Bar, the people that are leading the charge above the federal requirements were gracious enough to come on. Let me kind of pepper them with some questions here, talk some things over. Uh, and I learned a lot. And I can tell you, this is nothing that's going away. This is only going to keep getting more and more strict as time goes on. And they'll do it two ways. One, by the amount of emissions your vehicle produces. The other one that's starting to be attacked now is how many miles per gallon your vehicle gets, right? So then you're using less and putting less pollutants out over the miles. So it's, this is happening in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, and it's it's nothing, I, I think everyone needs to go to the mindset of this is a thing you fight. This is a thing you just kind of accept and you have to make sure you stay in compliance. It's not worth going through the hassles and the penalties and all the headaches that come around when you start screwing out the emission systems on your truck, it's just not worth it anymore. So enjoy the episode. I think you will really like this one. Uh, I learned more on this episode, I think, than I have in a long time. So thank you again, and let's get into it. Well, I have been looking forward to doing an episode on this for a long time because this is a topic that everyone talks about all the time. I get customers calling every single day, doing emails, doing chats. How do I delete my truck? How do I tune my truck? One of the most popular pages on our website is actually the truth about emission delete and tunes. And we tell people all the reasons not to do it and give some of the facts and get rid of some of the myths on there. And I'm really excited to actually have someone here that really actually knows they're in the middle of it, which is CARB, the California Air Resource Board. So I just want to welcome Cody. Like, Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. I know you guys are busy doing what you guys are doing over there, um, but welcome to the show. And if you could just explain to everyone, I think people know, or maybe they don't know, but maybe just explain like what, what CARB is and does, I guess, and kind of what it encompasses for the audience. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So. Uh, CARB is the California Air Resources Board. We're part of the uh, California EPA, which is its own separate uh, agency rather than federal EPA, which is also its own separate agency. Um, and so we, we fit under that umbrella. And we promote and protect public health by reducing air pollutants while also considering the effects of our of our work on the state's economy and uh, working in disadvantaged communities. So we ensure that the air quality in California is healthy for all people to breathe, uh, especially those in disadvantaged communities. And then I particularly work in carbon enforcement. Um, and so as part of that, um, we have our enforcement division, which uh, has a, uh, we ensure that effective enforcement of our regulations is a key element of California's success in reducing those air pollutants and in fighting climate change. So fair and consistent enforcement also provides a level playing field for all regulated businesses and ensures no one has an unfair advantage by not doing their part to help clean the air. Kind of a very high level of what CARB does. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And I, you know, so I worked at truck dealerships. I've been around truck repair forever. And I remember when 2004 came out and we had EGR and then we started adding more components and everything. And mm -hmm. it obviously added a lot of complexity and it added a lot of 
you know, new components and new things, which created new problems and new issues. And I, I know a lot of it's been worked through, but I think what people miss is like the good that's come out of this. And what we're all trying to accomplish is I want cleaner air for my kids to breathe. And I know everyone exactly. listening to this does as well. Can you talk a little bit about like the positive impact that CARB that you've seen over the last 10, 20 years and what goods come of this and these regulations have been happening? Yeah. Yeah. I'll even go back further. So um, really before the Air Resources Board was started and before the EPA, um, you know, the LA Basin itself had 186 smog alerts um, signifying extremely un unhealthy air in like the 60s. Um, you couldn't see the mountains from LA um, and uh, regularly they would have to cancel school, not because it was too hot out or not because there was too much snow, but because the air was unhealthy and the ozone was too high. Um, so since that time, in the last 60 years, uh, we've increased the number of cars and trucks on the road today by three, and uh, we don't have smog alerts really in the last 25 years, and we can see our mountains again, which is pretty cool. But as you said, what, what has happened in the last 10 to 20 years? Well, California still does rank number one in smog and ozone days um, across the nation, but the annual average concentration of particulate matter, which uh, uh, especially comes from trucks, um, you know, when we used to see smoking trucks, the black smoke coming out of trucks which just doesn't have, happen anymore. The average concentration of PEM has decreased by almost half. The number of high particulate days has decreased by nearly 90. Um, and the ozone and ozone formation has followed a similar trend, which ozone is formed from um, um, NOx and VOCs that are emitted from trucks and cars. Uh, we still see that Californians are burdened by air pollution, especially those in disadvantaged communities, but the air quality is significantly better than it was 60, 20, 10 years ago. And this is all due to California uh, regulations targeting at first, you know, a lot to do with light duty vehicles. And now we're really focusing on heavy duty vehicles and um, bringing those, uh, those pollutant numbers way down. So it is, um, it's still, a. I don't want to, I don't want to say it's not a, still a problem. There's still, um, work to be done, but I do want to recognize that, uh, in the last 20 years, we have really, um, decreased the number of, of, of significant PM events and ozone formation. Um, and in the last 60 years just, uh, made uh, dramatic changes. So. Uh, it is much better for every Californian than it has ever been in regards to air quality. Yeah. So I think one of the interesting things, too, is it, it seems like, you know, and I, I'm an outsider. I'm, I don't live in California. I'm on the East Coast. Right. So you just kind of hear yeah. bits and pieces. But I remember when I first worked at a dealership, there'd be like two emission stickers on it, one for the US EPA and one for one for CARB. And right. it, it's always seemed like CARB's kind of set like an even higher bar than the federal government has when it's come to these standards. And it's kind of always led the charge. Like, how, has it been that like, did this just start in 2004? Cause that's when I first kind of got exposed to it or how did, how did that kind of come to be? And like, what's been the impact of that? Right. So, um, CARB itself was formed before the federal EPA. So, um, we have waivers are typically get waivers to enforce stricter standards, um, than the EPA because we started our agency before then. So, like I said, that that's been since, uh, CARB's very beginning since, um, we were formed CARB before uh, the federal EPA. And in a lot of cases, um, CARB is technology forcing or industry changing forcing. So um, the truck and bus rule, which um, was was around uh, 2004 is 2010, um, 
where we were looking to ensure that every vehicle by 2023 had 2010 and newer engines. That was really adopted by the federal EPA. They're also looking at uh, adopting other uh, regulations, advanced clean fleets, which we'll talk about, which is the zero emission strategy for heavy duty trucks, um, the the movement towards uh, lower emissions, the, the standards for trucks, um, emissions for NOx and PM were adopted by federal EPA. So that really has been the case for a really long time. And it, it goes beyond trucks. It goes to cars and other equipment that we um, also um, have that we ensure other off-road and on-road uh, equipment um, are those regulations are sometimes also adopted by federal agencies as well. Well, since you just mentioned it, um, I know, I believe it's Governor Newsom has the 100% zero emission transportation were feasible by 2045. And, you know, we're sitting here in 2023. I'm like, man, 12 years, like, seems like a long time, but it's it's really not a long time. And you talk about all the engineering and all the things that have to happen. Can you talk a little bit about this 2045 plan and kind of where it sits today when it comes to heavy yeah. trucks? Yeah, sure. So, you know, this was really building upon uh, Governor Schwarzenegger and Governor Brown's work. So they also, so the, the move towards um, lower emissions um, across uh, the various sectors, 50% reduction in greenhouse gases by 2040 uh, was really Schwarzenegger and Brown. And then this zero emission strategy was really put in place by Governor Newsom. And so, like you said, uh, we're trying to get to uh, all new passenger vehicles have to be zero emissions by uh, 2035 and medium and heavy duty trucks by 2045. Um, and the reason transportation sector is responsible for more than half of all of California's carbon pollution and 80% of those smog forming pollutions, uh, pollution like ozone and 90 95% of toxic diesel uh, emissions, which specifically is really a lot of that PM or um, smog, uh, black soot that you see. And, it, and it's well known, as I mentioned above, uh, or when we talked uh, uh, in, in the first couple of questions that communities in the Los Angeles Basin and the Central Valley still see some of the dirtiest and most toxic air in the country. So we need to get those emissions down, especially for disadvantaged communities. So under the governor's order, um, CARB is responsible for developing regulations to support the transition to 100% uh, zero emission sales of new passenger cars and trucks. Um, this this reduction would achieve um, more than about 35% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions and 80% improvement in uh, oxides of nitrogen emissions, which leads to the formation of ozone um, from cars statewide. Uh, in addition, CARB, as we said, is developing that transition from in 2045 to medium and heavy duty vehicles, be zero emission, um, where feasible, of course. So there is some caveats there. Um, and it's important to to know that the executive order by the governor will not prevent Californians from owning gasoline or from other uh, not for for all people in the United States from owning gasoline cars or selling them on the used car market. Um, so California, while we're leading the effort, is not going it alone. We're joining 15 countries that have already committed to phase out gasoline powered cars. And we're using our market power to push zero emission vehicle innovation and driving costs down for everyone. Um, and again, I want to stress that 
disadvantaged communities still see a disproportionate level of poor air quality compared to the average across California, and that the transition to zero emissions in the vehicle sector will significantly help lower those emissions. Um, So the 2045 target for trucks, if we're going to talk specifically about medium and heavy duty trucks, um, it phases in. So it we have the advanced clean fleets regulation that's tied to the advanced clean trucks regulation. Um, and I think we'll talk about a little bit about our partnership with, um, with the engine manufacturers as well. But so those two regulations work together. So the advanced clean truck regulations requ- regulation requires that um, truck manufacturers uh, produce more and more zero emission uh, trucks over time. And then we hold them to that standard. So the, the percentage of sales, of their trucks have to be um, progressively more zero emission until um, 2045. And then the advanced clean fleets is ensuring that the end user is also operating um, trucks that are zero emission. And really the first level of that is drayage trucks. So typically drayage trucks are, you know, those are end of life trucks, right? You, it's your over-the-road truck that's reached 800,000 miles. It's um, it, it can't go over the road over the road anymore because of you know maintenance issues, and so it becomes a drayage truck. And you're just driving to and from the port, dropping off uh, goods at a local uh, um, um, center, where then it's shipped all over. Um, those trucks have to start uh, transitioning to zero emission in 2024 and they roll over early and it's the reason that we're focusing on those is because again that disadvantaged community aspect a lot of where dis, uh drayage trucks operate is in disadvantaged communities but also their use cycle so they're doing a lot of stopping and starting they're going back and forth to points where they can charge and so we're focusing on those first and then we'll start expanding um the regulation starts expanding what is expected and again i said you know we're feasible um so i think that and this is uh, me personally obviously maybe uh the harder transition is over those over the the road trucks those long distance haulers getting those to zero emission may require uh, new technologies or new batteries or any of those things and we still have you know 20 2022 we have 22 years until that time and so i think there will be technologies that will allow us to transition and again this is zero emission i know a lot of times when people hear zero emission they think battery electric um but there are other uh, zero emission strategies there's hydrogen fuel vehicles um that that could come out and and also count towards um, the zero emission strategy yeah so I, I know one of the things i hear a lot from people is like oh there's no infrastructure there we got rolling blackouts they can't handle it and all, all these things but i think you're exactly right and that's what people don't understand is it like it takes place and this transition over or in certain like or in certain niches right like so yeah you mm-hmm. have you have like your dryers like you're just saying like okay those guys are there during the day and they're charging at night when the infrastructure when the grid doesn't have as much usage mm-hmm. going on on it so it makes total right. sense so I, I think you're 100 right those will happen and i know i know your carb you're not in charge of building infrastructure and all those things but that is the one big question people kind of ask all the time is like how are they going to possibly support these um is there any comment you can kind of give on on the infrastructure's piece of it yeah, so I mean that's really with our partner agencies like the California Energy Commission. Um, but I can say, you know, we all work together. All the agencies in California work together. The zero emission strategy that the governor put out uh, 
is coupled with, you know, we, we want zero emission vehicles, but if you're powering that vehicle, uh, if, if it's an electric vehicle, if you're powering that electric vehicle by a coal-fired power plant, you've kind of ruined the uh, idea of a of, of zero-emission vehicle because you still have emissions from the upstream electricity generation. And so it's a overall strategy, right? Um, and it's technology forcing. So there is a lot of money being put out by California to to transition vehicles over to zero emission there's a lot of money being put out like i'm gonna i you can go get money to put solar on your house uh we get reduct uh, um, uh rebates from from the various uh, public utilities to do that um companies can put solar and use the solar for charging uh there's uh, money for for charging infrastructure and so it's all coupled together uh, and a strategy strategy to go to zero emissions for the entire sector sector. And so um, why I can't speak specifically on how uh, CEC plans to build out that infrastructure, we are partnering regularly to ensure that that infrastructure will be there uh, when we have all these vehicles that are operating uh, as zero emission vehicles. Yeah, and I, I think it's important for the audience too. Like I said, it's going to happen in certain sectors. Another one is I've been at Navistar's e-mobility center up in up in Illinois, and um, it was pretty amazing to be in an you know an EV bus and just seeing it and how it works and all the things. But there are there are pieces that have to go out there, and one of them is being able to afford them because they are not as mass produced as today's typical you know internal combustion engine. Um, is how are the incentives looking for these fleets and these people that are wanting to buy these things? Is there money out there to help offset some of these costs and the infrastructure? Because it's a big investment for a private company to go EVs. It's not just easy as buying something different and throwing the driver in the truck. Yeah. So the vast number of incentives uh, and total funding being offered to move California towards zero emissions is enormous. It's well, it's probably too much. It's too many programs to share to name here. Um, but certainly, you can um, go to CARB's website. You can go to CEC's website. You can go to into Zero Emission Strategy California on a search engine and look for incentives. And there's a ton out there. But uh, there's be, there's funding behind almost every regulation that we're passing uh, to support everything from low income buyers and to purchasing the vehicles, incentives to get the oldest, most polluting trucks and cars off the road, financial support to help, excuse me, to help farmers move to cleaner tractors and equipment, incentives to help marine vessel owners reconfigure their vessels to cleaner engines. Um, and like I said, uh, too many to name here, but I would, I would, um, suggest that the listener get out there and, and just go to any of, uh, car, any of, um, California agency websites and, and look and the incentives are there and there's probably one that that will be there to help them. So it's not just regulations. Um, we, you know, because CARB's goal, as I said earlier, is to to understand how our impact is on business as well. And we understand that there is a cost to this change. Uh, the governor understands that there's a cost to this change. And so there is a lot of money out there to help support that change. 
Yeah. I mean, people ask me all the time, do you think this is actually going to take hold and it's going to work? I'm like, look, governments, state, local, federal, there's there's so much money out there to help push this along. And it is the right thing mm-hmm. for the future of the country and, and all the things that have to happen. So I, it's definitely a thing out there. I've been on the website. You're right. There's so many different uh, different incentives and, and things out there to help people offset some of these costs. But what I what I want to get into is what I get hit with and what I start the podcast with at the beginning is uh, emission tampering or people trying to go around the system or people trying to do things they're not supposed to do for whatever reason. And I know that's kind of your area. We get hit up with it all the time on, hey, do you guys sell deletes? Can you guys do tunes? Can you do these things? And we're like, no, 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 we can't. Is it a, is it a problem in California? Is catching a lot of people or people kind of know to stay away or where, where's your guys' stance on it? Is it, is it hard to enforce? Cause it's, it's not an easy thing to catch sometimes with these people that are tampering and deleting emissions off commercial trucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a problem on, um, uh, both commercial trucks and light duty vehicles. Um, while carb passes regulations for light duty vehicles, that's really overseen by our Bureau of Automotive Repair, but they regularly ca- uh, catch people during smog checks. Um, for light duty vehicles that have been tampered or they don't, you know, a lot of cases, actually people in the light duty vehicle sector do not know, um, that, you know, tampering your vehicle will actually result in you failing your smog test. And so, so they have done a lot of work bar being they, um, in the last 20, 25 years, um, as they switched over to OBD, um, through their smog check. So they have a lot of data and sources, that they have done so that they can understand when you read OBD, this means that this, this, uh, vehicle is likely tampered. So because they have so many millions of vehicles that they do, uh, they can say, okay, this, this vehicle, every time it should read this. And when it reads, you know, zero instead of one here, we know that that's a tampered vehicle because we have, we have uh, proof when we looked at that vehicle, it was tampered. And so, we're using a lot of the work that Bar has done uh, in what we're doing with our new heavy-duty INM um, uh, program, which is uh, the heavy-duty INM program is basically a smog check program for heavy-duty trucks, and it will require um, periodic testing of every truck that operates in California um, to do either OBD uh, test or an opacity test if the vehicle is not OBD compliant. Uh, most vehicles that operate in California now are OBD compliant, but it is 2013 and, and newer engines. Um, so those 2012 and older engines uh, do not have OBD in them, and so they do opacity tests like they have, like that has been done for most uh, in-state fleets since the 90s uh, under our PSIP periodic smoke inspection program. Um, yeah, so that new program will right now will we have. It went, in, it went into effect at the beginning of this year, January 1, 2023. Um, the first roll-in of that is actually we have these, um, you speak of catching, uh, uh, tampering, or finding high emissions. We have these things called PEAKS. They're the Portable Emission Acquisition System. Um, it's a, a long engineering term for basically a... Uh, a, a a smoke reader and a NOx reader. So it sits above the roadway on fixed infrastructure. Uh, truck drives underneath it. We take a picture of the truck's license plate. It captures a portion of the truck's exhaust. And then we can pair those two together. So now we know what truck it was. We know it did its emissions. And then if we see a high reading uh, for NOx or PM, we can send a letter to, to those truck drivers or the truck owners 
and let them know that, hey, your truck was identified as a high emitter, uh, please go do a follow-up test, which would be an OBD or opacity test. Then if you fail that test, then you'll, you could receive a violation. Um, but if you get your vehicle fixed in time, then you know, there's no, there's uh, typically no penalties uh, associated with that. So that's what we're doing right now. And then later on this year, we'll be moving, uh, we'll be adding a uh, registration component. So to operate your vehicle in California, you'll have to be registered in the heavy duty INM database. And if you operate in California without being registered, then you could receive violations from CARB or from CHP. Uh, and that's, you know, speaking to partnering, we're doing a lot of work on the heavy duty INM reg with the California Highway Patrol. And then finally, the last phase in of that, which will happen uh, sometime next year, is actually uh, every heavy duty truck will need to do the periodic testing. So you'll have to send in an OBD test twice a year or an opacity test twice a year in the beginning. And then three years from the onset of that, you'll have to do OBD tests four times a year. And we're partnering with telematics companies and other um, um, companies for developing devices to read the OBD so you can send it directly to us. And then we'll use all the work that Barr has done on uh, OBD and tampering to identify tampering uh, in a vehicle uh, that is per regularly periodic testing or one that we may pull over on the road or one that we send a high emitter letter to. And if we identify tampering, then that's a more egregious violation. It does result in penalties. Uh, they can be quite, uh, quite high. And that's something we can talk about in a minute, too, if you would like. Um, and then those vehicles have to come into compliance. If they don't come into compliance, then you get kicked off the, the um, compliance database, which means you can't operate compliantly in California, which means you could get um, violations from CARB or you can get violations from the highway patrol. And so it's a really multi-pronged strategy to, to ensure that vehicles that operate in California are operating as intended, they're not tampered, um, and they're emitting what they're supposed to be emitting based on what we've certified them to. I know I've said a lot about um, the end user. It is also, we do also ensure that the manufacturer uh, is held account accountable as well. So this, this pairs uh, with looking at the manufacturer. So if we regularly, regularly see, I don't want to name any manufacturer, uh, a certain manufacturer a year vehicle with this engine in it and it's always a high emitter um that's probably not an end user problem that's probably a manufacturer problem they never designed the um the truck to operate as it should and so we will go after the manufacturer done that yeah i'm sure everyone knows about volkswagen but we've also gone after fiat chrysler and others for uh you know not e either you know intentionally trying to get around um our emissions standards or just not developing a vehicle or engine that can actually meet those emission standards. Well, I was uh, working for a Navistar dealer when they couldn't meet emissions there for uh, for a couple of years as well. So we're very yes. familiar with that. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of penalties are out there if people do get caught purposely tampering with the emissions on their yeah. on their vehicles? Yeah. So our penalties um, are set by the legislature through our health and safety code. Um, that's what gives us the statutory authority. Um, the, vi the maximum violations for tampering under, say, heavy-duty INM uh, are could be up to 10,000 per vehicle uh, per day. So if you multiple vehicles tampered and 
you know, operated 100, 100 days, it's 10,000 times 100 days, um, times the number of vehicles. So they could be quite steep. We do also have uh, to take into account uh, eight statutory factors as well in our enforcement policy. So we don't always go up to the maximum amount and rarely do we ever go up to the maximum amount um, because we consider things like the nature and persistence of violations, um, the impact to human health, um, and the financial burden of the violator and their their cooperation. And there's a number of other, other things and you can also just search for our enforcement policy to see those if you're so interested. Um, but having said that, tampering typically when we take into account those eight factors, it, it's, you know, it's an egregious violation. It results in much higher emissions. There's an impact to human health. Um, typically that's less cooperative because you're doing something to to uh, get around our regulations. And so our tampering um, violations carry some of the highest penalties that uh, we issue uh, in California. And we also have on our website as well, uh, we have something called the enforcement policy. If you go in there, you can see all the, and what cases we have settled with since uh, for a long time. And you can see um, what our typical violation penalty amounts are for tampering. Uh, in our enforcement reports. Uh, I will say though, there is one um, specific uh, violation that carries a very high penalty in California. And I would not suggest that people operate uh, these types of vehicles in California, and that's glider kits. So a glider kit is a, uh, in, in this case, a violation uh, would be a chassis that's 2010 and newer. So it looks to be on the outside a compliant vehicle with our truck and bus regulation, but someone has installed a 2009 and older engine in it, which is non-compliant with our truck and bus regulation. Um, those those types of vehicles carry a minimum penalty of $25,000 per um, what the legislature passed per the uh, statute, and we have no. CARB has no ability to lower that penalty below the $25,000 amount. So like I said, the other one is 10,000 per vehicle per day up to, but rarely do we go up to per day and up to 10,000. But in this case, uh, we have no, uh, we have no way to lower below 25,000 per violation. Well, love to hear any comments from any listeners or watchers out there on this, especially in the video portion on YouTube. Is it too much? Is it not enough? Are you even running California? You're not running California. What are you? What are you doing? Because obviously there's some severe penalties, and there should be. You're breaking. You're breaking some pretty serious laws by doing these things. And I, I think one of the other points I, I kind of want to talk about a little mm -hmm. bit here too is, um, and, and you're on the enforcement side. What about the people that sell? a tampered vehicle or work on a tampered vehicle? Do they have some liability in this? Are they supposed to just turn a blind eye and ignore it or just report it? Like, what do they do if you're working on one or you take one in on trade and you're trying to sell a thing? Like, what's what's the liability or exposure for these repair shops? Yeah, so um, we have an aftermarket parts team um, that will hold um, dealers, repair shops accountable for, for tampering. Uh, our vehicle code specifically the vehicle code for California specifically says you cannot offer to sell, modify a vehicle, all those kinds of things. And so, yes, you can be held accountable for, you can be held accountable on the end user for have, for getting your vehicle tampered and the person doing the tampering can be held accountable. If dealerships are specifically selling vehicles that 
they know are tampered or tampered them themselves we hold them accountable as well so the whole um carb has authority to hold all pieces of that network accountable and can issue violations for that and uh chp can also issue violations for tampered vehicles under the vehicle code as well so well it, it can it can result in uh, steep fines and chp violations again are are not again but are criminal rather than civil and so if you if you don't follow up with those um you know bad things could happen that's why you need to pay your speeding ticket when you uh, driving through any state, right? Because uh, that that local highway patrol will come after you, and 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 serious things can happen. So, well, it it seems like California businesses understand because we get asked a lot of times, like, is your is your diagnostic tool carb compliant? <laughs> like, well, it's a diagnostic tool. It's yep. not, a, you know. So we get that question asked. People are are concerned and want to make sure they're you know dotting the i's and uh, crossing the t's and all those things. Uh, one last question before we end this episode. And that is really, I, I know a big agreement was just signed with the engine manufacturers and CARB, um, agreement on timing. Can you kind of break that down for everybody, like what, kind of what the argument was or why there was an argument there and kind of how it got settled and, and where it landed? Yeah, so I think you're talking about the Clean Truck Partnership, which was just announced between CARB and the nation's leading truck manufacturers and the Truck and Engine Manufacturers Association. Uh, and so that was to advance the development of ZEBS for the commercial trucking industry. Um, it marks a commitment from the companies to meet California's vehicle standards that will require the sale and adoption of zero emissions technology in the state, regardless of whether any other entity challenges uh, California's authority to set more stringent emission standards under the Federal Clean Air Act. So it, on CARB side, it, it's, uh, it is advantageous because it ensures that engine manufacturers uh, will continue to move towards zero emissions. But it is also helpful on the engine manufacturer side as we will work collaboratively with uh, manufacturers to provide reasonable lead time to meet CARB's requirements and we'll let them know before imposing new regulations and we will help support, provide funding and infrastructure uh, to move towards zero emissions. So it's it it really is advantageous for both sides of the table. Uh, we we get to ensure that um, we, being CARB and the state of California, get to ensure that we will move towards zero emissions, and the Indian manufacturers uh, get uh, reasonable lead time. They get notice of uh, new regulations and have the support that that the state of California will provide um, funding to assist that that train that change. Well, Cody, does that answer your questions it, on that one? That, that 100 percent answers my questions. And I, I just want to say I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on, talk to me for a little bit to help educate everybody on what's going on out there and what CARB's doing. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people always complaining about things. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of people trying to do a lot of good. And I, I really appreciate what right. CARB is doing out there. To, to better the air quality and lives of a lot of people out there. That's really what this all comes down to at the end of the day. Uh, people right. want to learn more about you guys. What's the website they should go to to, to research and learn more? Just uh, go to www.carb.ca.gov uh, or just go to your search engine and look up the California Air Resources Board and it'll take you right to it. Uh, lots of good informa information on there. Lots of um, uh, information on um, funding for for the transition to zero emissions and i i will say um as as far as the uh, end user i know uh, we know that 
most people are trying to do their their best job they they want to comply and uh, we certainly want to help them comply and so all that information to to assist with compliance with our regulations is on there as well um, we're only looking for you know the dirtiest trucks out there to get them off the road uh, because that re results in the greatest impact towards uh, reducing air pollution and we appreciate um, what everybody does to try to comply with our regulations and uh, uh, and we thank you for uh, your users uh, uh, your listeners and uh, we th I, I appreciate the time today it's been it's been it'll be helpful to, to really get the message out about what CARB is trying to do and what California is trying to do to uh, help clean up the air. So I appreciate it very much. Yeah. And for the audience, too, I've been on the website, a treasure trove of information. I didn't even find the one with all the penalties and all the things that have been applied to people that have been caught because I, I go on the US EPA one and I find that all the time. So now I got to go on the CARB one and go find those as well. Yeah. So those are always so, interesting to read through. Right. You can look up uh, if you if you go to our website and just look up CARB enforcement annual report. Uh, that'll come up or you can do the search engine as well and uh, all that's in there I think it's a pendant so the enforcement report is really long um, and there's lots of you know we do oversee regulations for all types of um, on and off-road engines um, and so there's a lot of information on there like shore power and uh, marine vessels and all those kinds of things as well but if you go to appendix J it actually lists all the regulations and all the violations um, uh, amounts that have been given out on average for the last like eight or nine years. So, yeah. Well, for the audience too, the, the US EPA, I mean, they just settled some for like in the seven figures for people that were installing defeat yep. devices. And these are not big, yep. huge, multi-billion dollar corporations. These are these are independent shops that were doing these things in fleets. So it is a yep. serious thing. It's not worth doing. Today's emission technology trucks work very, very well. They're fuel efficient. There's no reason to be screwing yep. around with this stuff. Nope. Stay compliant, do the right thing. Uh, again, we end every episode as that it's not just diagnostics, it's diagnostics done right. Emissions, it's a critical component. They're not that bad to troubleshoot and repair and diagnose and maintain if you know what you're doing. It's really an education thing, having the right resources and the right knowledge. Anyone can maintain these things and diagnose them properly with minimal problems. Uh, we see it every day. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will catch you on the next episode.